Well, good morning. It is Tuesday, January 2nd, 2024. Tuesday, January 2nd, 2024. Get used to saying that 2024. I, and by the way, <laughs> I know most of you don't don't do this anymore. You, you don't even use them anymore. I, don't forget to put 2024 on your checks. Uh, does anybody out here know what a check is? <laughs> Slava Ukraine, Heroium Slava, PVTV, Political Views TV Podcast. That's what you Google to find me. I uh, tell your friends to Google those four words, Political Views TV Podcast, and I'll show up right at the top of the search. And in case I haven't told you this before, I really appreciate you coming every day. If you can, please bring someone with you uh, today or tomorrow. That would be awesome. And you can tweet to me. Questions or X to me, questions, insights, or come fight with me at Cyberclops, C Y B E R C L O P S, on formerly known as Twitter. Uh, as we speak, the Ukraine's uh, capital of Kiev and parts of uh, other parts of Ukraine are under fire. Uh, bombings and residents are being told to stay in shelters. Uh, uh, that was when I wrote this, which was about two hours ago, about eight o'clock in the morning. Um, our time, which is evening, their time. Ukraine's foreign minister urged faster supplies of air defense systems, combat drones, and long-range missiles. The ministry said in a statement that Dmitry Kaliba called on Ukraine's Western partners to respond to a new Russian strike on Ukraine by accelerating the supply of additional air defense systems. Uh, combat drones of all types, long-range missiles with a range of 300 plus uh, kilometers, which is like, uh, what was it, 190, 190 miles, 200 miles, something like that. It also said <clears throat> he had called on partners to make a decision to transfer frozen Russian assets for the needs of Ukraine and terminating contracts with Russian diplomats in relevant capitals and international organizations. And that, that $300 billion dollars of frozen Russian assets could go a long way for Ukraine. Uh, are the re Republican uh, Republicans holding Ukraine hostage? Is this, this is what they, they are doing? Uh, why, yes. Yes, they are. On Face the Nation, uh, on Sunday, Lindsey Graham was on. Uh, he said, Ukraine needed our help. He said, we need... We need to do it, not only for Ukraine, but for our own national security. But he said it all depends on the Mexican border. He said we, we have a broken border, 300,000 people in December alone, and up, uh, uh, about 400% from, uh, um, 20, from 2020. Here's the key, I think. We're asking the administration to use Title 42 type authority to tell people we're full. It takes four years to get your asylum claim heard. We have 1.7 million people who are already uh, are ready to be deported, but they just won't deport them. We need to send some people out of the country to stop the inflow. But Title 42 authority in the hands of any administration willing to use it would stop this. When you come to our border, we say, I'm sorry, we're full. Of course, that's what it says on the Statue of Liberty. Uh, the GOP continue holding Ukraine hostage, and this proves it's political because they want to give aid for Ukraine, but won't until they get what they want at the southern border. I believe, by the way, 
I believe that the southern border needs to be secured. But I also believe that we need to do, we need to fix the problem at its source like the administration has been trying to do for a long time. Why haven't Republicans gotten behind that? Because if they got behind that, it would fix the problem and then they wouldn't have something to complain about so that they can run against. They can use hate to run for office. Anyway. Uh, where was I? The U.S. ambassador. Yeah, the U.S. ambassador to Ukraine, Bridget Brink, wrote on formerly Twitter, Putin is ringing in 2024 by launching missiles at Kyiv and around the country as millions of Ukrainians again take shelter in freezing temperatures. Loud explosions in Kyiv this morning. It's urgent and critical that we support Ukraine now to stop Putin here. All this while Republicans play politics. Uh, Norway's government announced it will authorize the direct sale of weapons to Ukraine. Norway's foreign minister, Espen Barth Eldi, said in a press release, in the extraordinary security situation resulting from Russia's war of aggression, it is crucial that we continue to support Ukraine. We must plan for the possibility that the illegal war of aggression may be prolonged. The government has therefore decided to permit direct sales of weapons and defense-related products from the Norwegian defense industry to Ukraine. It's very important that Norway does this because after it does this, other countries will fall behind. They will also decide to do it. They will fall in line behind Norway. Uh, Marija... uh, uh, I should have I should have done this beforehand. <laughs> this is a difficult uh, um, uh, pronunciation. Marija Palsinovic Burek, the Secretary General of the Council of Europe, calls Russia's recent missile attacks on Ukraine unacceptable. She said in a statement on formerly Twitter, Russia's relentless attacks against Ukraine are unacceptable. Intentionally targeting civilians or civilian objects amounts to war crimes and serious violation of international law. Oh, just like Israel. What a shock. Uh, British ambassador to Ukraine, Martin Harris, says on formerly Twitter, Russians brought more death and destruction to Ukraine in this holiday season with another mass missile attack on peaceful civilians this morning. When will they understand that this only strengthens Ukrainians' resolve to defend their land and freedom? UK stands with Ukraine. Charles Michel, the president of the European Council, has reiterated the EU's support for Ukraine, calling Russia's recent air attacks cynical. He said on formerly Twitter, for anybody believing the rumors that Russia is genuinely interested in peace talks, the record number of drones fired in the last 24 hours at Ukraine show the true intention of Moscow. The attacks are all the more cynical given that the increase in their intensity coincides with the New Year holidays. Ukraine's spirit cannot be broken. The EU stands by Ukraine. Uh, If you notice that those uh, statements were very similar to each other, I'm sure that there's a reason why. (laughs) 
Turkey will not allow the UK's minehunter ships to transit its waters en route to the Black Sea since it would violate an international pact concerning wartime passage of the Straits. NATO member Turkey informed allies that it would not allow the vessels to use its Bosphorus and Dardanelles Straits as long as the war in Ukraine continues. Uh, the UK had said it would transfer two Royal Naval uh, Navy minehunter ships to Ukraine to help them uh, uh, transit the Black Sea last month. Apparently, they won't be able to do it that way. I wonder if they can use the Danube. I'm not sure if uh, they're too big for that. Uh, finally, and I've been waiting for this for a long time, uh, the comeuppance of this. Finally, India is getting some issues with Russian sanctions after get, uh, uh, getting a complete... Uh, after being a, a complete ass for the last year buying Russian oil, India's import of Sokol crude, which is produced in Russia's Far East region, ran into problems relating to Western sanctions and payments over the last month or so. As a result, six oil tankers carrying so-called uh, crude for uh, government-owned Indian Oil uh, Corporation, IOC, were idling close to the Indian waters for weeks, unable to discharge the oil at their destination ports. Two of the six tankers are now sh uh, showing Chinese ports as their destinations indicating that these cargoes could finally be consumed by Chinese refiners instead. According to trade sources, uh, Sakhalin 1 LLC, an arm of uh, Russian oil major Rosneft, which supplies so-called crude to IOC, has not been able to secure an account in the United Arab Emirates, UAE, in order to accept payments in Durham's. Prior to the war in Ukraine, Russia was marginal player in India's oil imports. However, as the West began shunning Russians' oil following Moscow's February uh, invasion of, uh, of 2022 uh, of Ukraine, Russia started offering deep discounts on its oil to willing buyers. But they wanted to go over that $60 a barrel, <laughs> which they weren't allowed to. And that's where these uh, uh, sanctions come into effect. Uh, Indian refiners started uh, lapping up the discounted barrels, uh, catapulting Russia to the top spot on the list of India's oil suppliers, displacing traditional heavyweights like Iraq and Saudi Arabia. Now, I don't know if you remember this story way back then. I said, with Russia undercutting Saudi Arabia... Do you think they're going to have a problem with that? I actually sent a letter to OPEC, which they, uh, an email to OPEC, which they, the, the press office, which they never responded to because I'm, a, I'm just a little guy, and asked them that. Well, I guess now we have the answer. Yes, they have a problem with Russia undercutting their oil sales. India is the world's largest consumer of crude oil and depends on imports to meet over 85% of its requirement. Um, so, yeah. Finally, the Middle East is saying, no, nah, not so much. We want to sell oil too. <laughs> 
Uh, Belgorod, Governor Vyacheslav Gladkov said on Telegram, Russian air defenses downed five Ukrainian missiles as they approached the city. He said operational services are clarifying information about the consequences on the ground. At least one person has been <clears throat> injured. Uh, Gladkov said on t- his Telegram channel, Four air targets were shot down on approach to the city without specifying the targets. Uh, Belgorod Mayor Valentin Demidov said on his Telegram channel, houses and vehicles were damaged in the incident. Uh, evening uh, Russia time, Russia's air defenses destroyed 17 Ukrainian uh, Olka rockets over the Belgorod region. A missile inadvertently struck a Russian town near the border <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, border with Ukraine as Moscow carried out its latest air raids. Uh, the region governor, Alexander Gusev, wrote on Telegram that seven homes were damaged in the village of uh, Petropav- uh, uh, Petropavlovka, uh, about um, 40. Uh, that's incorrect. Uh, 40 kilometers from the northeastern uh, Ukraine. Uh, actually, it's about 80. I think it's about 90 kilometers from uh, northeastern Ukraine, uh, but there were no injuries. Gusev uh, spoke of uh, the news story says uh, 40 kilometers. It's actually uh, like 90 kilometers, I I think. I I could be wrong. I'm pretty sure I got that right. Uh, Gusev spoke of an accidental release of a projectile without detailing the type of weapon fired. A defense ministry uh, statement said an investigation into the circumstances of the incident is underway. A commission is working on the spot on the spot to assess the nature of the damage and assist in the restoration of houses. The Russian defense ministry said its attacks hit Ukrainian military industrial facilities as well as depots storing missiles and munitions. The goal of the strike has been achieved. All targets have been hit. Ukrainian authorities, meanwhile, are reporting widespread damage to civilian infrastructure, including hundreds of apartments, after they say Ukraine's defense systems shot down 70 of 100 Russian-fired missiles. That's a lot of missiles. Uh, In Ukraine, Air raid sirens went off across the country earlier today as Russia sent missile strikes, especially in Kyiv and Kharkiv. Ukraine's Air Force warned of incoming Russian missiles targeting Kyiv, noting on Telegram today that repeated launches of Russian KH-47M2 Kinzai or Dagger hypersonic air launch ballistic missiles are possible. Kyiv's mayor, Vitaly Klitschko, can I buy a vowel Klitschko? Uh, his, his name is, that's because his name is spelled K-L-I-T-S-C-H-K-O. Yeah, two vowels, nine letters, two vowels, nine letters, ten letters, nine letters, ten, uh, nine letters, two vowels. Uh, Vitaly Kenabayaval Klitschko said on Telegram earlier today, the electricity supplies and water supplies have been cut off in several areas of the capital. Kyiv's city military administration said on Telegram, the fragments of Russian missiles destroyed by air, Ukraine air defenses landed in eight districts across the city. Five people are now known to have died in the strikes and over 100 injured. As it stands, two people were killed, 49 injured in strikes on Kyiv, two others died, and 16 injured in the wider Kyiv region in Kharkiv and northeast Ukraine. One person was killed and 47 were injured. 
Uh, Ukraine's president, Vladimir Zelensky, uh, said Russia would be held responsible for every life taken. He said almost 100 missiles of various types had been used in the strikes, with 70 of them downed by Ukraine's air defense systems. Uh, Patriots, Iris, NASAMs, each such system has already saved at least hundreds of lives. The number of people wounded in Russia's latest attacks on Ukraine reached at least 57. Uh, Kiev Mayor Vitaly, like I said, can I buy a vow? Klitschko wrote on Telegram in Kiev at least 16 were injured in a strike on the building in Solomyansky uh, district. 15 of them wounded are now hospitalized. About 250,000 people have, have had no power in Kiev region after a spate of Russian drones and missile strikes. Much of the power has been returned. Serhii uh, Popko, the head of Kyiv's city government, says the capital endured six hours of Russian air raids, which started with the launch of more than a dozen Iranian-made Shahid-136 attack drones. That was followed by massive missile barrage. Uh, Ukraine said uh, Russia fired 99 missiles. Russia used several Kinzai hypersonic missiles, which are, are go like what might mock. Mach 10 or something? That That's like really fast. That's like minutes from Russia to Kiev um, uh, to attack a Ukrainian capital of Kiev. Uh, they sent those missiles. Ukrainian air defenses boosted by supplies from Kiev's Western allies downed all 10 incoming Kinzai missiles fired in the latest attack as well as 59 of 70. Uh, uh, 59 of 70 cruise missiles and all three caliber cruise missiles. Air defense forces shot down all the drones and more than 70 missiles. Serhii Popko said on Telegram, uh, but as a result of such a massive, uh, massive missile attack in the capital, unfortunately, there is destruction of residential buildings, damage to infrastructure. There are victims. The consequences are especially dire in the Solomyansk uh, district. Fires of multi-story residential buildings were recorded there. The fire trapped people on the floors. At least one person has been killed and 33 others wounded after a fire at a warehouse in a Podolsk neighborhood of Kiev uh, after the Russian missile attack. Another person was reported killed and 27 others were injured after two residential blocks caught fire in the Sol Solmian district. The city administration also confirmed the death of an 86-year-old woman. I, you know, Russia's got to take out them 86-year-old women. Defense Minister Rustam Umarov says of Russia that the terrorist state is deliberately targeting critical infrastructure and residential neighborhoods. He called the latest barrage of missiles a very dangerous attack that killed and injured innocent people, damaged power lines and gas pipeline, interrupted water supply. Ukraine's Air Force and the commander-in-chief of the Ukraine, uh, Ukrainian Armed Forces, Valery Zaluzhny, said 10 Kinzai missiles, 59 cruise missiles, and 3 caliber had been destroyed in the attacks, on uh, which we just talked about, in which Kyiv and Kharkiv were major targets. Ukraine's Air Force said Tuesday's attack was an intense Russia's masses, massive assault on Ukraine last Friday that described Russia's biggest air attack of the war. Uh, Ukraine's Air Force said on Telegram that critical infrastructure, facilities, industrial, civilian, and military facilities were attacked. The main direction of the attack in the capital of Ukraine 
It said in the first wave, the, they attacked with Shahids, Iranian drones from the southeastern direction with further movement in direction, different regions of Ukraine. All 35 attack UAVs, Shahid 136-131, were destroyed by air defense. The Air Force said Russia uh, also launched 16 TU-95MS bombers around 6 o'clock in the morning, local time, and used them to launch at least 70 KH-101, KH-555, and KH-55 air-based cruise missiles. The enemy also attacked from the sea with three caliber cruise missiles, and from the north with the 12 ballistic missiles of the Iskander MS-300 and S-400 type. That All that that I was telling you about, they're just summing it up as to what they took out, most of what they took out. Uh, writing on formerly Twitter, Zelensky thanked the country's air defense personnel for helping save more lives from being lost, saying he will continue working with Ukraine's global allies to hold Russia accountable. Ole Senehubov. Kharkiv Oblast Military Administration head said on Telegram, a 91-year-old woman died as a result of enemy rockets, uh, rocket attacks on the center of Kharkiv. Got to take out those 91-year-old women. That's what Russia needs to do. As of now, 44 victims are known. Among them are five children, three boys in, uh, uh, aged 9 and girls 6 and 13 years old. The injured children have explosive injuries. This is translated, so it's going to sound weird. They have explosive injuries, bruises, acubarotraumas, which are concussion, uh, contusions, acute reactions to stress. Of the 44 people that were injured, 28 are in the hospital. At least one person has been killed and more than 20 wounded in Russian attacks on Ukraine's eastern city of Kharkiv. Now that I have your attention, that's a lot of Ukraine. 22 minutes. I haven't done 22 minutes in a long time. Now that I have your attention, let's try and fix the rest of the world. Uh, we've talked about Israel's final solution to either murder everyone in Gaza or relocate them to another country. Ethnic cleansing and war crimes. Israel, like Russia in Ukraine, wants that valuable Gaza Strip, just like uh, Russia wants Ukraine. Uh, beautiful land plus lots of oil in Gaza. Yesterday, Israeli National Security Minister it, it, Tamar Ben-Gavir said that Netanyahu government should encourage the migration of Gazans. Ben-Gavir said during a meeting of his Jewish power party in Jerusalem, this is correct, just moral and humane solution. Wow, he's calling it humane. War crimes, he's calling it humane. As drool dribbled, dribbled from the corner of his mouth, he said, encouraging the migration of the residents of Gaza will allow us to bring home the residents of the Oktov and residents of Gush Katif. If you remember, far-right uh, Israel, uh, Israeli finance minister, Bezali Smotrich, said during a radio appearance on Sunday that what needs to be done in the Gaza Strip is to encourage emigration. If there are 100,000 or 200,000 Arabs in Gaza and not 2 million Arabs, the entire discussion on the day after will be totally different. Well, I suppose you could use the IDF to murder all of them. I mean, that's what you're doing anyway. Uh, by the way, both far-right lawmakers have benefited from ethnic cleansing. 
Both of them have. Both Smotrich and Ben-Gavir live in illegal Israeli settlements in the occupied West Bank. Just so you know. Uh, Remember, we did uh, that story earlier this year. Uh, 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 I mean, wouldn't be earlier this year. Earlier on in, in the war, a document from the Israeli intelligence ministry that leaked, proposed the forcible and permanent transfer of all Gaza's 2.2 million Palestinian residents to Egypt's Sinai Peninsula. Late last month, the UN Special Rapporteur on Human Rights of Internally Displaced Persons said that as evacuation orders and military operations continue to expand and civilians are subjected to relentless attacks on a daily basis, the only logical conclusion is that Israel's military operation in Gaza aims to deport the majority of the civilian population en masse. And your president, Joe Biden, doesn't walk the fence on this. He doesn't walk the fence. He walks on both sides of the fence, claiming he doesn't want mass relocation of Gazans while supporting far-right Netanyahu government that does. Moving on. Yesterday, the United States announced it would send an aircraft carrier, strike group, home, and replace it with an amphibious assault ship and accompanying warships. Uh, The U.S. Navy announced that after months of extra duty at sea, the uh, USS Gerald R. Ford aircraft carrier strike group would head home. The Ford will be replaced by the amphibious assault ship, the USS Bataan, and its accompanying warships in the Red Sea. Yesterday, after we reported on the South African petition with the ICJ, uh, the uh, uh, International Court of Justice, uh, a hearing on how the government should deal with the matter was held at the Israeli Foreign Ministry. The public statements by the Israeli government officials prove that Israel, as well as the U.S., are guilty. At this point, at least 22,000 Palestinians have been murdered in Palestinian-held Gaza and 60,000 injured. It is party to the Genocide Convention, which allows the ICJ to deal with judicial disputes between countries, including when they are accused of genocide. A determination by the ICJ that Israel has failed to stop a genocide by its military forces or has committed genocidal acts against Palestinian civilians wouldn't necessarily mean that an injunction would immediately be enforced. But if it determines in a ruling or even a temporary injunction that a suspicion exists that Israel is committing genocide, you have to think about what this would say for the historical narrative. For this reason, everyone, especially Israel, has to take it seriously. Of course, the U.S. is going to block any any real teeth in anything that comes out of the U.N. Yesterday, Israel's Supreme Court struck down part of Netanyahu's controversial judicial overhaul, a move that could exacerbate political st- tensions in the country as it changes its footing in the war with the Palestinian militant group Hamas. The judicial overhaul sparked months of protest after Netanyahu took office for a new term as prime minister a year ago. And yeah, we did several stories. Uh, With its ruling, Israel's highest court overturned a law passed in July 
that prevented Supreme Court judges from overruling government decisions by declaring them unreasonable. The law was the first major part of a controversial plan by Netanyahu's far-right uh, coalition government to curb the judicial's branch power and give more authority to the national legislature. The Israeli Supreme Court's landmark decision to strike down part of Netanyahu's planned judicial overhaul could reopen the fissures in Israel's society that preceded the war against Hamas. You can only imagine that Netanyahu's sudden extreme unpopularity among the people because of his support of Hamas swayed the court. Remember, Netanyahu was caught with his pants down. He was giving money to Hamas so the Palestinian Authority would be suppressed because the Palestinian Authority was the only one that could make a Palestinian state. This is what he did. And he didn't want a Palestinian state. So he gave Hamas money. Money which Hamas used to attack Israel. You can imagine how much the Israeli people hate Netanyahu. He caused this attack on October 7th. Coffee. How are you guys doing, by the way? 30 minutes in, I'm only halfway done. Uh, it's I, Well, maybe. Maybe I'll get done by, by, by 45. We'll see. Uh, it's Because it, there's not a lot left. It's pretty bad in Japan. Today, along the western coast in central Japan... In the area of the Noto uh, Peninsula, rescuers were racing to save residents trapped inside collapsed buildings. At least 48 people have been confirmed killed as of this afternoon, according to a spokesperson in the Ishikawa uh, Prefecture. Uh, and five people, all crew on, the Japanese co- on a Japanese Coast Guard plane, were killed at Tokyo Haneda Airport today when a Japan Airlines jet collided with the Coast Guard plane on its way to provide earthquake relief. All the passengers and crew escaped from the Japan Airlines flight before the plane was completely engulfed in flames. Still a horrific accident. Uh, Tsunami advisories along portions of the country's western coast were lifted uh, today. Uh, They were lifted today by Japan's Meteorological Agency. That is a mouthful. Uh, Travel to the Noto Peninsula has been physically restricted because of damage to roads. Uh, Prime Minister Fumio Kishida told reporters to secure the route there. We are to mobilize all the means of transport, not only on the ground, but also by aerial and marine transport. We have been making an effort to transfer goods, supplies, and personnel there since uh, last night. The central city of Wajima, which is on the north coast of the peninsula, uh, is home to about 27,000 people, appearing to be among the worst hit. Fifteen people were confirmed dead so far there. The fire department in Wajima City uh, reported that about 200 buildings are believed to have burned down on uh, Asachi Street, which is a popular tourist area in Wajima, in a fire that broke out yesterday. This is this bring bring back memories of of, um, of Hawaii, right? Um, the department also said 25 buildings, including houses, had collapsed, and 14 structures 
may still have people trapped inside. In addition, around 500 people are stranded at Noto Airport after the terminal was damaged. From what I understand, even the the um, uh, 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 the um, landing strip was damaged. From what I understand, I, I could be wrong about that. I saw one story on that. Uh, nearby roads are damaged so they can't get out from the airport. Prime Minister Kishida said today members of Japan's self-defense force had joined police and fire emergency teams in rescuing people from devastated areas overnight. He said rescue efforts are a battle against time, especially the victims of collapsed buildings have to be saved as soon as possible. Uh, so in separate Royals news, whenever you get Royals news, it's always always about the UK. Uh, but it's always interesting to find there are other Royals around the world, right? In other words, not Britain. Royals news that is not Britain. Uh, in a surprise move, Denmark's Queen Margrethe II has announced she will abdicate her role early in 2024 after a reign lasting more than five decades, 52 years, I believe. Uh, <clears throat> Margrethe, who's 83 years old, will land, hand over her throne to her son, Crown Prince Frederick. Uh, she said in her traditional New Year's Eve speech broadcast on Danish television, she cited back surgery in February 2023 as giving her thoughts about her future. She said, in two weeks time, I have been queen of Denmark for 52 years. Such an amount will leave its mark on anybody, also on me. The time takes its toll, and the number of ailments increases. One cannot undertake as much as one managed in the past. Yes, because being queen has been so hard for 52 years. She went on. In February this year, I underwent extensive back surgery. Everything went well, thanks to my competent health personnel who took care of me. Inevitably, inevitably the operation uh, gave cause to thoughts about the future, whether now would be an appropriate time to pass on the responsibility to the next generation. I have decided that now is the right time. On the 14th of January, 2024, 52 years after I succeeded my beloved father, I will step down as Queen of Denmark. I will hand over the throne to my son, Crown Prince Frederick. Uh, Prince Frederick will take over the throne as His Majesty's King Frederick X in January. Uh, you know, his wife, Australian-born Princess Mary, will become Queen Consort, the first Australian to ever ascend to the role, the couple famously met in Sydney in a Sydney bar during the 2000 Olympics. She is an Australian sales executive. The couple got married in 2004. So, on to the United States. Just a couple of stories. I remember, Congress is out. They can't destroy as much as long as they're out. Uh, Shanna Bellows was interviewed on her decision to remove Trump from the ballot in Maine, and apparently it wasn't her that that did it. I, I mean, she did it, but she did it because she had to. As she explained in an interview with NPR, under Maine law, when I qualified Mr. Trump for the ballot, because she originally qualified him, any registered voter had the right to challenge the qualification. Five voters did so including two former Republican state senators. 
So similar to Colorado, where Republicans challenged it in court, right? It was Republicans that didn't. It wasn't her. She said, then I was required. She wasn't going to do it. But then somebody asked her to. She said, then I was required under the statute, under the law, to hold a hearing and issue a decision and do so within, within a very compressed timeline. So this wasn't something I initiated, but it's something that's required under Maine's election law. Then she described her decision, saying, so I reviewed very carefully the hearing proceedings and the weight of the evidence presented to me at the hearing. And that evidence made clear, first, that those events of January 6, 2021, and we all witnessed them, they were unprecedented. They were tragic, but they were an attack not only upon the Capitol and government officials, but also an attack on the rule of law, on the peaceful transfer of power. And the evidence presented at the hearing demonstrated that they occurred at the behest of and with the knowledge and support of the outgoing president. And the United States Constitution does not tolerate an assault on the foundations of our government. And under Maine election law, I was required to act in response. And then she she decide, she described her decision as being based on the wording of Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. She said, <clears throat> as you and I have said, by the way, it doesn't say convict. It doesn't say convicted or impeached. Meaning that the argument that Republican... I, she's not saying this. I'm saying this. Meaning that the argument uh, Republicans are using that the president hasn't yet been convicted of a crime and therefore shouldn't be removed from the ballot is invalid. Because it doesn't say in the, in the amendment that the, they need to be convicted. It doesn't say who should decide. This will, of course, be decided by Maine's Superior Court. Then it goes to the Maine Supreme Judicial Court. And then, of course, presumably, I mean, Trump is going to challenge this all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court. On Friday, appeals an appeals court allowed a lawsuit brought by a group of U.S. Capitol Police officers against former President Donald Trump to move forward, ruling that Trump is not entitled to absolute immunity from civil lawsuits. You know, if he robbed a bank while he was president, he wouldn't be immune from criminal charges. He also wouldn't be immune from the bank filing suit against him to get back all that money that he stole. Right? Don't you just love my bank robbing uh, uh, example? I use it for everything. Anyway, uh, the suit focuses on Trump's alleged conduct surrounding the January 6, 2021 assault on the U.S. Capitol. The three-judge panel on the U.S. Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia Circuit based its decision on a ruling in a separate case brought by two Capitol Police officers and a group of House Democrats that were handed down earlier this month. In its December 1st opinion, the D.C. Cir Circuit rejected Trump's claim that he is shielded from civil liability because his alleged actions in connection to the January 6th attack fell within official functions of the presidency. Yeah. Uh, it's an official, sure, it's an official function of the presidency to incite a riot against the Capitol. 
<laughs> in its opinion, Friday, the three judges said that the case before them is indistinguishable from the other dispute and said Trump's argument that he, his immunity fails. Uh, Chief Judge Sri Srinivasan and Judges Bradley Garcia and Judith Rogers wrote in their opinion, whether Trump's actions involve speech on matters of public concern uh, bears no inherent connection to the essential distinction between official and unofficial acts. In addition to suing Trump, the officers named more than a dozen other defendants. Among them uh, are members of the far-right extremist group, the Proud Boys, and the Oath Keepers, as well as Roger Stone. Roger Stone is going to be claiming bankruptcy just like Giuliani. The Capitol Police officers sought civil damages for the physical and emotional injuries they said they suffered as a result of the January 6th attack. Think about this. Think about this. The, the emotional is, is what uh, ended up uh, losing uh, Giuliani all those millions of dollars. There are a lot of Capitol Police officers. Can you imagine it going into a billion dollars? Of course, this should be challenged. And Uncle Tom, Clarence Thomas, would have to recuse himself again, but may not. Yeah, that's how it is. Good old Uncle Tom. Yeah. Uh, so it's uh, a Tuesday. Are you awake now? Are you going back to work? Or are you taking a couple of days just to get back? Get off your butt and do something, will you? Anyway. Oh, uh, that's it. Thanks for listening. Tuesday, January 2nd, 2024. Tuesday, January 2nd, 2024. I, you know, I appreciate you so much coming every day. It's very nice of you. Thank you so much. Uh, bring someone with you today or tomorrow. That would be awesome. Uh, this is PVTV, Political Views TV Podcast. Those four words. That's what you Googled off. Find me. I'll show up right at the top of the search. You can tweet to me or you can X to me. Questions, insights, or come fight with me at Cyberclops, C-Y-B-E-R-C-L-O-P-S on formerly Twitter. Uh, and by the way, if you want to listen to me, you can also say, hey, Google, or, uh, or hey, hey, Alexa, uh, play Political Views TV podcasts, and they will do that for you. But remember, always remember, government profit is measured by the betterment of the people. Don't you ever forget that. I'm Peter Lawrence, reporting from Los Angeles.